is going on everybody welcome in to another edition of the daily energy news beat stand up here on this gorgeous tuesday february 28th 2023 as always i'm your humble correspondent michael tanner coming to you from an undisclosed location here in dallas texas joined by the executive producer of the show the purveyor of the show and the director and publisher of the world's greatest website energynewsbeat.com Stuart turley my man how we doing today it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood yeah, no, it uh, it, it really is. We actually have a great day for natural gas prices. They're up to two dollars and seventy cents. Um, oil <laughs> price is not doing as well. So, uh, well, you know, I'm uh, love me some good high natural gas prices. So, um, we will cover all of that coming up. Stu also has some incredible stories. I'll give a quick rundown here. First, we've got Pioneer Scott Sheffield predicting ninety to a hundred dollar oil by early summer. Ooh, we'll see what we'll see what that one means. Next, we've got high gas prices could be the new normal for Europe. Um, it, it sure looks that way. Stu will cover um, what the gas situation in Europe looks like going forward. Next, we have the man in charge of how the U.S. spends $400 billion to shift away from fossil fuels. Um, this is a, a pretty um, stark article that Stu will cover about really what's what's going on at that government uh, level. Next, we have former Secretary, uh, Treasury Secretary admits doubts on a soft landing, looks to global institutes for solutions. That's just spooky. That's I mean the, the 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 header the picture on the article is spooky. It's it's yeah. Um, he'll kick it over to me then. I'll again cover what's happening in the natural gas markets. Um, we're trading currently two sixty nine. Oil's at seventy five seventy six. We'll find out uh, API inventories tomorrow. Um, but really everyone is focused on um the potential rate increase. Um, and then we have two earnings to cover both range resources and oxy. Um, both which I thought had some notables. Um, I will cover all that and a bag of chips, guys. But first, again, check us out in the description below, www.energynewsbeat.com. All of the articles that we mentioned come from our website. Check it out, dashboard.energynewsbeat.com. It's our data news combo. Again, we are hard at work at V2. Um, we had a little dev meeting tonight, so it'll be great to get that um, move forward a little bit. But uh, again, Stu, just check us out, www.energynewsbeat.com. I'm out of breath. Where do you want to begin? Hey, let's start with our buddy Pioneer Sheffield predicting ninety to a hundred dollar oil by early summer. I love me some Sheffield. He is one of the best, coolest cats in the uh, entire in industry. And uh, the article says uh, Sheffield is talking to the an analysts, and he says we remained uh, highly constructive on oil prices. Sheffield told analysts, "I'm still very optimistic that we'll move back into the 90 to 100 range sometime early this summer as we move and get away from this 78 to 88 swing in Brent prices." Time out. This is what everybody does, though. They couch their oil price by giving me Brent, which trades at a seven to ten dollar premium to West Texas Intermediate, which Pioneer and, and most other companies that produce out of the Permian Basin get paid off that index, not Brent. So I do find it hilarious that you know he's talking about his oil price prediction and he chooses the international benchmark versus the one that sits in his backyard. But I, I won't get um, hung up there. So continue. Uh, the the other piece of this is uh, Pioneer expects to operate an average of 24 to 26 horizontal drilling rigs in Finland. That's a lot of riggage, dude. That's a lot that, of that's a lot of riggage. We need to make that into a T-shirt. I don't know if I've ever heard that <laughs> that one before. Um, I mean, 
Pioneer is probably one of the better positioned companies with their acreage in order to drill. I mean, they have vast, right. you know, what is probably considered lower tier one at this point, but decent acreage that at these prices, even at $75, make very good economic sense. Let me it's ask you this. Yeah, let me ask you this, Michael. Uh, it says citing significant capital savings on a per foot basis of lateral wells in excess of 15,000 feet. Pioneer said expects to place more than 100 of these extra long wells on production this year. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it's that's super interesting. And I think you're seeing a shift of, you wow. know, a shift into these super long ladders. And we're talking 15,000 feet is three miles of lateral length. I know in, in, in the DJ Basin, Oxy is doing some some pretty crazy wells that are getting three, four miles. I just saw a permit for a, um, a Woodford well up there in Oklahoma. That was 26,000 feet of, of total measure depth. So I think that works wow. out to like four miles. I mean, it's absolutely incredible, Stu, what they're doing. And I think part of the reason why is because you can in high oil price environments, which in which wells are fairly economical and you can really right. churn and burn this tier one acreage, the longer you go, it it does there is a on a well by well basis some economics of scale by increasing the lateral length. You can increase the lateral length by a thousand feet and see a let's give let's say for example a hundred thousand uh barrel per you know thousand foot. And that's a bad example. Let's say let's say twenty-five thousand per thousand foot of lateral length. Well, if you go over 15,000 feet, your costs may not rise linearly. They may slope off a little bit while your EUR continues to rise. And at these prices, you can afford to be, you can, you know, a a $22 million AFE, which is probably what it's going to cost to go drill one of these wells. You can swallow that because you're going to, you're still going to be able to make your money back in six to eight months, you know, and especially if you're quote unquote, highly constructive on oil prices, then there's really only a time to go up from here because you might be able to lock in these rigs at $75, you know, service company prices when it comes to a hundred, you might, there could be some savings. So if that's your thesis, it does make sense. I I do think it'd be hilarious. You know, we talked on Friday, Stu, specifically about um, the rumor that Pioneer was going to buy range resources. They had to uh, announce a right. press release and say it's going to happen. I was on Twitter today and, and I <laughs> fell out of my seat. I got to give a shout out. This is one of the first off the name of this, the name of this Twitter account at Insolvent Shitco. I mean, it just, just <laughs> I'm dying. Whoever came up with brilliant, but the title goes <laughs> Chestnut Checkers. Uh, Andy, if you don't mind throwing up the meme for everybody on YouTube, it goes Chestnut Checkers. So you've got the Winnie the Pooh meme where half the time he's sitting there just looking right. scummy and then the other half he's in his suit smiling. First section, grinding on a model to evaluate whether M&A adds shareholder value or not. Part two, leak rumor to Bloomberg and make that 1.30 p.m. tea time. I'm telling you, it's exactly what happened. It's exactly what happened. They were like, oh, let's just leak to the yeah. press, see what happens. Oh, stock down 4%, pull it. Pull it, don't do it. <laughs> Absolutely funny. So, um, I mean, getting back to this, um, this article, Stu, Pioneer is going to be able to drill these long wells that will, you know, even if they're over AFE, they'll be able to make money. But I do find it funny that, you know, now all of a sudden we've got, you know, I love how I have a hard time as an economist predicting commodity prices. I think that's, I think oil and gas companies should not be in the business of predicting oil prices. You should be in the business of producing, uh, oil and gas for as cheap as possible so that whenever the price does go down to a bad level, you're able to 
continue to at least keep the lights on. And when it goes up to an extremely high level, you're able to keep those low operated assets, invest more into drilling and really ramp up production because you really make most of your money on these oil wells in the first six months of production. So it really doesn't matter what the strip price is four years out when you're drilling these new wells, because all you care about is that first six months. Uh, but here we've got Scott Sheffield, CEO of one of the largest companies um, in the oil and gas business. He's, you know, now we're predicting oil prices. So this should be fun. Hey, he's a good dude. What do you got next? Okay, let's come around the corner here. High gas prices. Let me make sure I don't lose it. High gas prices could be the new norm for Europe. Ah, boy, I didn't see this headline coming. Uh, Just kidding. (laughs) Last summer in August, there's uh, some bullets. China's demand for LNG is expected to rebound this year, intensifying competition. Despite relatively high storage, Europe is increasingly reliant on LNG spot markets. Last summer, August, gas prices in the European market topped 340 euros per megawatt hour. Holy smokes. Now, here's part of the gotcha on this, Michael. And that is they are not going to be able to fill up their stuff because they didn't have the storage. You know, they didn't have nuclear Uh, They didn't have uh, Russia's natural gas. Norway has picked up a lot of that slack at 30% of what's going into Europe is coming out of uh, Norway now. U.S. was able to pick up a bunch by LNG. But there's also a notice saying that some of the LNG folks are having to lay people off and shut down because of this low gas price. So I don't know that... Europe is going to be in any able to to get those. We do not. This is a quote. Uh, we do not expect filling storage to be as costly next summer as it was this past year. Aurora Energy Research, Jacob Mandel, and I disagree with him 200 percent. He said that said firms yep. rely on spot supply to fill storage rather than hedge against future prices will risk paying similar costs last summer. So here's the thing. Qatar signed with China 27-year LNG gas, what, two months ago? Mm-hmm. Long-term contracts is where the EU did not, they pooped on the yep. rug and they just totally missed it. Okay, I'm I'm done there. You got anything on that one? No, I, I mean, again, I think Europe did did this to themselves by relying strictly on Russian gas that then, you know, with 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 whatever happened with the Nord Stream, we can debate that. We've got some random guy on Substack telling us it was blown up by the Biden administration. We've got, you know, whatever. Being reliant on one country is not good. So I, I think they're I think they're seeing that. Good for Norway, by the way. Um, I'm sure they're gonna see surprise some, you know, are probably doing better economically than you would expect, probably because of this. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see here in six to eight months when some of this data rolls out. But what do you got next? Okay, coming around the corner, uh, the man in charge of how the U.S. spends $400 billion, what's a few billion between friends, Michael, to shift away from fossil fuels. The Department of Energy's loan programs office was essentially dormant, says, uh, I'm, I'm going to butcher his name, but I believe it's uh, Higar Shah, its head, but now it's ready to bankroll clean energy projects. Okay. This one is going to be very interesting. The third paragraph down says the last year's vast inflation reduction act grew the previously 
Morbond Office uh, Loan Authority to $140 billion, while adding new program worth $250 billion in loan guarantees to retool projects that help planet heating emissions. Let me just say this for half a sec. All right. The Porculus Bill is what I call the Inflation Reduction Act is not going to be able to provide any of these projects. We talked about mm-hmm. that last night. It, it's like, or this morning, or whatever time zone we're in, you can't do it. It's not good. You don't have the brain trust. You don't have the equipment. You don't have the tools. And you may have the money, but you ain't going to get it installed. So what are your thoughts, Michael? Yeah, um, I'm 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 absolutely with you. You know, we covered it yesterday. I think that's the 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 crispest way to hear it. If you didn't listen to our show yesterday, we covered how you know, despite all of these renewable projects that are getting built, none of them are getting connected to the grid. So I think you're gonna have to fight with that. And if and if this money isn't going towards grid interconnection. Then it's it'll be all for naught. So that's yeah. that's really all. I mean, otherwise they're probably gonna blow. I mean, if if, if you're asking me to do my opinion, I mean they're gonna we're gonna blow this money, kiss this money goodbye. We might as well send it to Ukraine. There's, it's probably gonna get spent better. There's two other key points in here. When John Kerry was out there and he said, uh, in order to fix climate, we need money, 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 money. What a knucklehead. And then yeah. so the other paragraph is. Even if the U.S. entirely cleans up its electricity grid, it will need thousands of miles of new transmission lines and integrated large-scale batteries to store and distribute the renewable energy. All right. I'm done with that one. That's going to be a brain trust. All right. Last one coming around the corner here. Former Treasury Secretary admits doubt on soft economic landing, looks for global institutions for solutions. And Michael, for our podcast listeners, go to energynewsbeat.com and look for the story of Thelma and Louise going off into the Grand Canyon in this car. (laughs) This is a perfect example. Former Treasury Secretary under Bill Clinton, Larry Summers, joined Bloomberg to answer questions on this. He said on here, a soft economic landing is not going to happen and the negative data is becoming too obvious to deny. Inflation signals are not relenting and the Fed will continue rate hiking rates. This will lead to a recessionary crash. So we're going to admit the issue now in order to avoid looking like complete fools later. In the meantime, we're going to use the ongoing crisis to promote more globalism, which is our intention all along. A message to Larry, I love this from the author. You can hit you can't hit the brakes when your car's already off a cliff. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that says all you need to know. Oh uh, my god. I mean, this yeah, is- it'll be very interesting to see how how we play out. I think the market is already prepping for a 50 basis points increase. The futures market um, is predicting the fact that there's a 36. I heard this like a 36 percent chance likelihood that it's going to be uh, a 50 basis points increase instead of what they thought a week ago, which was 18 percent. So um, it's going to be spicy. So, you know, vocal inflation, baby, vocal inflation. All right. Boy, I'm I'm tired. 
Yeah, um, well, I'll, I'll clean us up here. Oil guys trading 75, 77. I mean, really, again, as we mentioned, with, with this likelihood of interest rates continuing to rise, the weakness in the U.S. dollar, um, that will show its effects on oil and gas prices, specifically oil prices. I, I don't think as much Chinese demand, you know, you, you, can't have, you can't have that many Chinese demand stories considering when the overall economic output looks terrible. You know, again, as as the dollar and the strength of the economy goes, um, so will oil prices. I think looking and turning over to natural gas, we actually saw it up to about two seventy today. Currently trading about two dollars and sixty nine cents as we record this um, on the twenty seventh. Um, here at about six forty five. Again, what you're seeing is just a nice little cold front coming in. I know, you know, Colorado um, this weekend and and then that Midwest uh, Rocky Mountain region had some of the best snow. I'm sad I was sitting here in Dallas, not able to experience what's probably the best skiing and snowboarding that's happened in 10 years. I mean, everybody was out there enjoying the powder and I was stuck here clanging and banging, but we did it for you guys. Um, we did it for you guys. You so that is, I was on, but I wasn't skiing. I wasn't skiing. I'm like, Hey dude, I'm the one holding the fort down here. working. Oh, I, oh. But I wasn't skiing. Unfortunately, unfortunately oh. I wasn't skiing. Um, but uh, I saw some incredible pictures. So again, part of that cold front coming in, California even saw a little bit of cold weather is rising natural gas prices in, in the short term. Again, we are still oversupplied. So what does this mean long-term structurally for natural gas? I don't actually know. Um, I'd be remiss, remiss if I didn't say two things. One, Oxy came out today and announced earnings. Their revenue hit a record $8.3 billion, um, which was up from $3.3 billion a year ago. You know, Earnings per share dropped in at $1.8. 81. I mean, that's a pretty good um, thing. Wow. They also announced that the new $3 billion uh, share buyback program at a 38% increase to its dividend to an 18 cent share. Warren Buffett will make a killing on this after now cashing in on all of his preferred shares. He's just moved over to regular stockholder. He is loving it. It'll be very interesting to see what happens going forward. They announced, um, this was a quote from our CEO, Vicky Holub. Uh, they were pleased to announce that they completed an already existing $3 billion share buyback program. Thanks to its quote operational success. Um, they were trading down by a fraction of a penny, but again, I think everything on the operational side for Oxy looks really well. Our friends over at Range Resources, who are definitely not shopping um, themselves to anybody specifically, uh, did also announce their earnings today. First off, 1.9 billion of record cash flow. They did 1.5 billion um, return to shareholders through 400 million in share repurchases, 39 million in dividends, and 1.1 billion in debt reductions. So I love how they say the 1.1 billion debt reduction factors into the 1.5 billion to shareholders. When the shareholders really don't see anything, that's leverage. That's just deleveraging. So IR guy of the week, sign whoever we got, we're new candidate right here. Who's this? Sorry, they got all. I got a lot of stuff in this press release. They don't. They don't. They don't give me the name of the guy. Ah, oh, he's right here. Here we go. Um, investor context: Lath Sando. That sucks. Lath. No Lath. Lath. You know Lath. I know Lath. Well. I, I, I hard guy of the week. Um, love that. that that's a great second bullet point. You're like, oh, 1.5 billion to shareholders. No, 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 no. We just we're deleveraged. We're going to give Lath a shout out. <laughs> um, all in capital spending 492 million. Um, or I love how natural gas producers are 64 cents per MCF. Um, Proofers of 18.1 TCF um, with an after tax discounted future net cash flow of 24.5 billion. Um, development costs about 41 cents per MCF. They increased their hedge positions to approximately 55 and 35% of its natural gas um, at $3.50. 
five cents and three dollars and seventy five cents per MMBTU, which is pretty interesting. Um, considering you know if if prices do pop, you're on the other end of it. So you know, I always you know hedging is your friend when you're on the right side of it and you're able to keep rolling good hedging forward. But when you're behind on hedging and you're trying to play catch up and you know you're always chasing the price versus having the price chase you, um, that's when things get into a, a bad zone. So it'll be interesting to see. But um, good for range resources um, and good for Lathe. Gotta love me a good uh, a good little squeeze slip in there, Stu. Uh, you got anything else? Uh, no, but uh, remember uh, this morning when or last night when we were talking about uh, nuclear and sanctions? Uh, just to keep ahead, it's going to get worse. <laughs> I'm sure it will. I mean, I on that level, how I these know. guys are going to do it? Jeez. I don't know how I survive every day, Stu, having to listen to you. It's an onslaught. Um, it's an onslaught. So we appreciate um, <laughs> you keeping us informed. With that, guys, we're going to let you out of here. Get back to work. Start your day. For Stuart Turley, I'm Michael Tanner. We'll see you tomorrow. Maybe. Maybe.